roll the intro and officially get going on this train wreck. All right, ready, three, two, one, go. So, hey, everyone, officially happy Friday. Welcome to the Digital Cash Rundown number 117, which means I've done this roughly 117 weeks in a row. I skipped a couple of times when I had an outage or uh, when I was traveling. But, I mean, well, that's like over it's two and a half years or something now. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm joined by the wonderful gentlemen, uh, Callisti and Jeremy, both of which you've been on, both of whom have been on before. How's it going, guys? It's up. It's doing great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm happy to see both of you have sunlight outside. So it's like it's daylight for all of us. So that's that's good. Sometimes um I remember episode like two of this show, I had um Josiah from the Digibyte community on and he's a poor guy's out there in Kiwi Stan. And so in New Zealand, it, like he was, it was like four in the morning. He just got up and he could see it in his eyes. And I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not doing that to someone ever again. <laughs> not, not you got to make it happen. To. That's it, yeah. though, man. Sometimes, just you know, when duty calls, you just got to get the job done. You got to get up early. Damn, that's what you got to do, right? So, respect. one time, I do remember some group of school children in India wanted a presentation on crypto. And it was like two or three in the morning my time. And so I was just there and I had to put on a button shirt to look respectable and talk to all these kids. And then they, they had like a Q&A, which I didn't expect. And the thick accented Q&A at three in the morning. It was it was a little rough, but like no regrets. Um, just remind you guys, if you're in my Discord, you can go to the Digital Cash Rundown channel and leave super chats. And that's I will answer those. Ones, if you leave them in the YouTube or Odyssey comments, you know... See how I'm feeling, right? Um, but so, the thing, the news for today, right? The big news thing everyone's been talking about uh, is, of course, the SEC thing. And here I brought up this this article thing because Coinbase and Binance both got sued by the SEC over selling illegal securities or whatever. And anyway, this article, Coinbase reminds world it tried to embrace regulation as SEC sues for violation. Coinbase met with the SEC 30 times in 2022 seeking regulatory guidance, and now it will vigorously defend itself, it says. So one thing that's been kind of interesting with this whole thing has been, it's been, like, it seems like a very cut and dry um, U.S. regulators going after crypto, period. And it seems like, no one's trying to say, well, but but play nice to us. All the big players are fighting back. They're not like, oh, well, let's strike a deal. Like I think they they're past that. It's like war kind of thing. So, what are you guys' hot takes on the whole situation? Love it. Love to see it. I mean, obviously, you don't love the SEC getting involved in crypto, but that was always going to be inevitable. They're always going to meddle around. And the fact that it's all just such a sham fraud is just so clear to anybody who's paying attention. Gary Gensler put out his tweet saying, uh, blah, 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 Coinbase are trying to like work around the rules or whatever. And then immediately got community noted on Twitter by somebody who, you know, put in like, oh, well, actually Coinbase have tried to engage many times and have got no guidance on the exact crime, you know, uh, 
rules they're now being accused of violating by the regulators who chose not to give them those rules like or something like that so you love to see it uh that's the sham everybody knows it and obviously crypto is winning that's it's what it all comes down to the more regulatory fud there is every time i hear that i think strazand effect and i think they can't stop us it's that simple mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise this would be more of an issue but it isn't so i feel bad for brian armstrong and whoever has to deal with this stuff you know at the coal face but basically that's that's like crypto's uh smoke screen shield so everybody mm-hmm. else can just crack on with it yeah in the meantime and it's just strength in numbers so that's decentralization you mean you're not celebrating the regulation of possibly you know comp competitors no of course not i'm i'm not like loving it that uh other coins are getting regulated and wrecked i mean the it's all it's all the same really it's just a whack-a-mole right i'm sure mm-hmm. if they have a rough time of it then you know bch or other coins that i do sort of might be more involved in will come up on the agenda next so anybody who thinks you know it's not me this time celebrate what well, that's nonsense like they're coming for everybody we just have to win as a crypto as an industry and that's mm-hmm. luckily where the you know the big players like binance and coinbase they're profiting off every single coin at once so it's p- pretty perfect if they're the ones that have to defend it so yeah absolutely kind of like pattern to the targets for the regulation you know like you know what do, do, you, do you think any kind of clarity might emerge on on what is and what isn't a security in this space um here's a well I think that that yes that will be an end result of all this not because that's what they're trying to do now but because at some point um i don't think that there's going to be i don't think that the sec is going to just drive all crypto out of the us i don't think it's going to happen there's too many people with too much money to throw at political opponents of the administration that's doing that like there's too much of a game going on there However, I also don't think that they're going to just like, eh, never mind, everything's fine. I think they'll come up with, they'll have to come up with some kind of a criteria, which is honestly good news for both crypto and for like the government. I hate to say, which I don't like good news for the government anyway. <laughs> anyway, it comes. But like that is kind of what it is. It's kind of interesting. So, I'm going to um on the screen there's some tweet that was po- that was um posted by a friend. Oops, wrong wrong one anyway that gives a venn diagram of securities according to the sec and they don't match based on the live lawsuits because they have a bitrex lawsuit a binance lawsuit and a coinbase lawsuit and so the only one that squares up with all of those ones is algorand that was mentioned in all of those but then other ones they just like kind of pick and choose like cardano was in like solana were binance and coinbase but the bitrex case no um the Bitrix case mentions, and the Coinbase case mentioned Dash, but Binance case does not mention Dash, even though Binance does list Dash. Like, they're just all over the place. I think it was, um, was it Eric Voorhees might have pointed out that, you know, on Monday they, they decide, on Tuesday they don't know what they decided on Monday. Like, they're kind of going all over the place. Um, but it's interesting. There's some nuance to this whole thing. Well, first of all, who gets targeted by these guys? Um I've noticed a pattern of groups that have chosen to engage with the SEC. And that's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. But um, so, for example, um, 
library, which got sued directly, kind of the, the company behind the library protocol, um, they did actively pursue a no action letter from the SEC and try to be as above board as possible. Got them on the on the radar. I know that a um, one group involved with Dash years ago did also pursue a no action letter from the SEC, laying out a big case. The Crypto Ratings Council, which rated assets from least to most likely to be a security, put Dash at number one with Bitcoin and Litecoin, maybe like like this least possible, like all this kind of stuff. And it, but then that gets you on the radar. I I'm pretty sure Algorand also did that. I at least Gensler has talked about Algorand famously in the past, and he seemed to be a big proponent, in fact. And now that's the one that's stuck in <laughs> in all the losses he remembered in all of those. So that seems to be one thing that um, is pretty clear. The other thing, though, I found out is um, it, in none of these cases, even in the library case where they're actually suing the company behind the library protocol, none of them are they alleging that any of these tokens are securities. They're just saying that they were sold as securities. In fact, I was there when the SEC lawyer was, when the library case was, the judge was saying, are you asking us to rule that the library token is a, LBC is a security? He says, no, we're not at this time. And they were almost begging the judge not to rule on if the token itself was a security. And the judge actually said, like, I want to rule on it because that adds a lot of clarity. And then, but he says, I can't, unless it's been brought before me, I can't rule on it. And so the SEC refused to bring it up. And that's in the most clear case kind of thing. And these other cases, they're just saying these exchanges sold illegal securities without saying the tokens that they were accused of selling as illegal securities were actually securities, which is such weird, like legalistic, like line, like walking the line. I think they're just saying you sold these things as investments, even if they are usually used as practical. It's like the intent behind the sale, not behind the actual asset. And what they're going after are these exchanges. They're going after the exchanges because they want to drive them out of the country, probably, or maybe they want to just make them all register as securities exchanges. And But they're, like, they're using the assets as leverage. It's kind of like, you know, using children as leverage in a divorce or something like that. They're using the assets as leverage, not actually targeting the assets, which is, ooh, it's a little dirty. Well, it's not surprising, right? Mm. It's literally like they're trying to, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, right? If they don't have to pick a position, then they can just try and keep everyone in this limbo of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But the thing is, like, that's a losing strategy in the long run because one the public clues on that this is just complete bullshit two it gives essentially just free time for just the gray mass to continue under which crypto thrives because it's decentralized uh yeah and thirdly uh, eventually they have to come out with with something and the, yeah just the longer they they don't the basically the better for crypto so mm -hmm. they're in between a rock and a hard place if they make it clear then we'll just be like right fine we'll just do that and then carry on and if they don't well then we got to carry on anyway so <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not like gary gensler doesn't know what he's doing either i mean I, I really think like he's very intentional about exactly what words he says and when he says them mm -hmm. uh and, and i think kind of the public doesn't really see it that way he's like oh he's being so unclear he's being so vague it, it's, it's intentional i mean one that's how legal ease is played 
But then too, mm -hmm. it, it's not like Gary Gensler doesn't know what crypto is either. I mean, I've seen his MIT classes. He knows mm -hmm. exactly what, what he's talking about. So uh, I think he has to be deliberate kind of maybe in a way uh, he knows what it's all about and he's doing us a favor by stalling the government, not letting the government actually set this definition, especially the US government, because mm -hmm. that sets precedent across the whole world. And then, so let's say uh, he understands that if we keep it in this gray zone, as Jeremy said, then then maybe we do have the opportunity to just make so much progress that no matter what they do, no matter how they rule it, the, the chains that actually have utility will be able to thrive and accomplish their mission. Yeah, I think that's a great point of like what could hopefully happen. Um, I think they're trying to also yet yeah, delay stuff, but they're trying to delay crypto so they can do a CBDC. And it seems yeah. to be pretty clear. I know um, some people who are more connected in DC in that whole space seem to have heard like secondhand a lot of a lot of that. It seems like the current administration is just trying to get rid of crypto so we can get a CBDC going. But the other wrinkle to this whole story, which um, I'm sure you've probably seen mentioned, is SEC's Gensler was offered to serve as an advisor to Binance in 2019, lawyers claim. Years before serving as the head of the SEC, Gensler offered up his advisory service to Binance, the exchange's lawyers allege, and was denied. So, according to Binance, it's just like, well, she doesn't know that, you know, she tried, she was sliding into my DMs a few years ago, and I said, no, that's why she's salty. It's like literally at that level. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if there's, uh, <laughs> do you think there's anything like, real behind that or do you think that's just like more things that lawyers are throwing at it to kind of muddy the waters lawyers are just gonna lawyer man like anything <laughs> that can come up will come up because there is law there's precedent there's money on the line mm -hmm. and anytime that the incentives are aligned to play dirty you're gonna play dirty mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um it's pretty crazy but there's already started you're already starting to see a little bit of fallout from this whole thing so um for example, Crypto.com suspends U.S. institutional exchange service, and they cite the limited demand for, okay, under current market conditions. But I think it might be conveniently timed to the current drama. And, of course, Binance.us is suspending USD deposits and warns of fiat withdrawal pause. Um, Binance said that the, the moves are part of efforts to protect consumers and the platform amid extremely aggressive and intimidating tactics by the SEC. Because I believe in the case of Binance.us, the SEC uh, is seeking a warrant to like seize assets or freeze their accounts and stuff, which is, at that point, that's getting pretty gnarly. Um, yeah. Not your keys, not your coins. As always, if you have any money on any of those accounts, get them out right now because... Uh, you know, if uh, Binance screws up or things don't go the other way, well, then you're wrecked. Mm -hmm. So just you've got to just withdraw and then it just be all becomes a clown show and you can watch comfortably from the sidelines. So heavily recommended to uh, self-custody your crypto. Yeah, and the, that is a little bit of a, a foreshadowing for, <laughs> for a little bit from now. But, but yeah, um, it's kind of this whole thing is does have a good effort in a good effect in shaking out the kind of thing like the bad projects and i i'm not i think this whole thing is by the way bad for crypto but um i mean jeremy what was the first year you were in crypto or you started getting 2013 into, yeah so you're a 10-year guy just like me and calista you're a little bit more recent but still kind of 
you know, a few years, right? Like five years. Yeah. Like depending on perspective, I'm either a noob or an OG because I got my first Bitcoin in 2011. But I was just totally oblivious to the space between then and 2020, basically. (laughs) So did you hear about like the value proposition about uncensorable money and the governments can't shut this down? Were you aware of that stuff in 2011? In 2011, no, I was fresh out of high school at that point and you know how the u.s education system is so i didn't understand money <laughs> yeah so well i mean not probably the global education system but i guess the u.s is especially bad in that i, I just that know case. that you can relate you know since we're we're, we're both in yeah the US. <laughs> although i can also not relate because i was homeschooled all the way to college so i didn't oh, oh yeah so i, I avoided all that nonsense yeah i guess so here to the rest of the world our education system leaves much to be desired and i was fully aware yeah. of that that was in that system <laughs> <laughs> but so this is um retro year 20 like 2023 is 2013 again kind of in that back in the day like i remember just coming into the space and like hearing about bitcoin from like ron paul forums and things like that and like you know precious metals people are like oh but there's also this digital gold that like no one can censor and you know and people were getting excited they were using it People were excited if any place took it. Like it's like, did you know that this one place can take it? You can actually take it, but you can also trade it with each other. And I remember when uh, Overstock first started. It was like the first big company. That was the year after. That was in 2014. Yeah. Yes. And I remember that all of like our crypto people in New Hampshire got together and bought everything we could off of Overstock, so that Overstock had the New Hampshire had the highest per capita sales in Bitcoin of any any area even more than Utah where the company was based. So it was just like, people were getting all excited. Like, But those days, there was this idea of like the censorship resistant kind of thing of like, well, the, this government's gonna crack down and this is what you do with a, you know, like all that kind of stuff that you mostly hear like Monero people talking about today. And that was like the, that was like the ethos then. And I kind of feel like, like 2020, like we almost took like a 10 year detour you know, just like the crypto space went just like, oh, well, let's do our block size wars and drama. It's like side quests, right? You do a block size wars and drama and then you got like the ICO boom and then programmable stuff and NFTs and just all this other stuff. And then now we're like back to the main quest. Like now it's we're back to the peer to peer electronic cash. We're back to the because the government also like they took their sweet time cracking down on this stuff. Like they took forever. Let's be honest. Like I did not expect it to take this long. And now we're here. It's like, Oh, you know, back to the playbook we were expecting. And now we're back in the trenches and it's a scary time for a lot of people. But like, this for me is just like, like, this is, this is what I signed up for. And it just had this weird pump scam coin kind of detour for a while. And I'm just like, all right, we're back here. This is nice. Um, I think we're ready for opinion? it. Well, I think we're ready for it. I, I agree. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. In 2013, what was the big stories? It was Mt. Gox blew up kind of at the end of the year and at the at the start of the year. So that was sort of similar to the FTX and now the Binance stuff that we've been seeing, right? You had uh, the, yeah, everybody was very concerned about regulation. That was shortly before um, Jeremy Allaire. And what was that guy, the, the bit license in... Uh, New York, it was sort of similar vibes there. Obviously, Silk Road got got shut down in 2013. That was also big around regulation and how actually undercover is all this stuff, right? 
So you're right, that, that was spot on. And I agree with you that things have been derailed, certainly since the middle of about 2016, where the block size war was in uh, full swing. But now, yeah, we are coming back around to it. And I think we're just set up to win, basically. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm perpetually pretty crypto optimistic, but if you mm -hmm. compare now to 10 years ago, the amount of funding in crypto on the crypto side of the balance sheet has skyrocketed. So mm -hmm. that's already a huge win. And the other big thing that uh, you can't get any other way except for things to have gone this way is that the public have had a very, 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 very long time and things take a long time to understand it a bit and not be freaked out by it, right? Just if 10 years of time is a long time for everybody. Oh, I heard about crypto. I heard about crypto. I heard about crypto. What is this? I kind of looked it up. Not really sure what's going on. But, but just time is the ultimate thing, the ultimate legitimizer in people's minds. Once something is around long enough, if people are still excited about it, still going off about it, sooner or later, everyone else goes, all right, well, that must be a thing. If it's, you know, mm -hmm. six months, they think that'll go away. That's a fad. If it's two years, they're a bit like, oh, okay, it's been going on for a while. But once something's been around in their own mind for five to 10 years, then it's kind of like, this isn't going anywhere. I'm just not involved yet kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> once Matt Damon shills it, it's over, you know? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> All we need is Jim Cramer to say that the price is going to go down. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Up. Or no one's ever going to use this stuff as money and just like, that'll be, green light. Yeah. you know? Yeah. It's kind of crazy because, um, there's an interesting like narrative thing. And <laughs> I know that, um, especially people from the Bitcoin cash community are very, sensitive to the narrative wars because that's literally been all that's gone on in that like segment for you know what has it been six years i guess and or but you know more of course but i'm just saying bitcoin cash's history but the narrative there's uh the narrative is you know think like for old timers right things used to be about peer-to-peer -peer cash then there's a detour and stuff then it all went to shit and the thing is there's a narrative with the maxis, which is then Ethereum came in the shitcoin boom and all this kind of stuff. And we've been here telewarning you the whole time. And that's like the conventional wisdom, I would say. I don't know if it's conventional, but it's, you know, loud maxis on Twitter and Sailor with his, you know, ugly ass face. That's all that stuff is, right? But in reality, that is not entirely untrue. Let's be honest, <laughs> not saying give Maxi's credit, but like it's not entirely untrue. The thing is, I think that the, the Maxi community excluded themselves from that when they were part of it and are a part of it. And I've kind of seen this where um, the the narrative of the block size war in the early days was the Maxi narrative was more hardcore on like self-sovereignty on decentralization and stuff. That's why we can't scale is because we have to be absolutely like super risk intolerant in this way. Whereas the big blockers are like, no, we can scale and still be decentralized enough for it not to be a problem. But now like over time, like that was, that was nerve. I guess over time we're seeing that that you yeah, preaching the choir here a little bit, that might not have been so much of a good faith narrative because then you start saying bad, ah, just use your credit card and like, 
well, lightning will work. And then when lightning doesn't work as well as they'd like, it's just like, well, just use the, the custodial one and it's fine. And it just like goes on and on and on. And now they're cheering the SEC crackdown. Um, <laughs> have you guys seen your favorite or in least favorite maxis on Twitter, especially saying how this is a good thing for crypto? It's been a little bit of that. I mean, it's really to to me. Of course, this is completely predictable. That's what I've been <laughs> telling everybody for the longest time. But what you need to understand in all of these sort of narrative shifts is the dynamics of it's not it's not exactly the same people. That's mm -hmm. kind of what it is. So you had a pool of people who were in Bitcoin and they were all fighting and whatever. And then because of all the problems in Bitcoin. A lot of people who were in Bitcoin left and they were replaced by new people. So mm -hmm. the people and then that that sort of watering down happens over time. It's happened over the last 10 years, essentially. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the people who are strong on either the peer to peer cash stuff or even like you're saying, the decentralization stuff, the resistance to government stuff, all of that, that that died essentially when the big blockers lost the block size war. And had to create Bitcoin Cash, and or a lot of uh, people had moved on to, you know, Ethereum just because there was still block space there, and people were excited and mm -hmm. and you know moving on to the next thing, right? So uh, the way communities move is that they they drift over time, as but it's not like any one individual necessarily changes that their opinion that much. Just that more people join on one side and they leave on the other side. So. Of course, the mm -hmm. BDC side have just slowly shifted more and more and more and more and more into just being captured and more and more into the whole thing is the price has to go up. And if it's not going up, then they're all just kind of waiting for the next pump, hoping, and there's nobody actually building anything. And then obviously now you've also had the Taproot Wizards thing has also brought <laughs> in a big, big shift because there were so many people that came back returning from some of those or who found their way in through Ethereum or whatever into into bitcoin and now flooded out so all the the laser eyes and the most hardcore twitter they're just falling off a cliff like every day there's less and less people all of those big uh people you know spencer schiff like where's his laser eyes like they're gone ironically at the same time as his dad is finally getting into bitcoin you know? getting into bsv uh, but <laughs> exactly <laughs> which is oh, it's hilarious. hilarious. It's actually like it couldn't have been any more perfect, really, <laughs> as far as that goes. But, um, you know, so that's that's essentially what's happening, right? Things have just become diluted and they don't realize because they're in an echo chamber that the world has just sort of moved around them and is kind of carrying on past them. Uh, and that's what's happened. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is uh, there's been like the age where you can be economically viable as a company and only be Bitcoin or only Bitcoin and Ethereum, like something like that is long since over. However, now that there's a new era last couple, this since this last bull pump, the laser eye pump where underperforming mediocre companies in crypto can just do Bitcoin only, but be very like loud about marketing that and kind of survive despite being a mediocre product. It also knows the Swan Bitcoin model, which I'm going after them directly. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but let, let's the, that whole idea was like, well, only the the shitcoin casinos are going to be hit by the SEC. We're all going to be okay. Now, do I have a new news for you? Okay, so um, first off, Prime Trust is a custody firm that basically 
powered a lot of these kind of companies like Swan Bitcoin. And um, so anyway, this tweet here I'm putting up, it says, in case you just woke up, Prime Trust may be insolvent. Swan Bitcoin moved to Fortress and BitGo. Strike is doing custody in-house. And so the funny thing about that is those two of the biggest maxi platforms, like Bitcoin only type platforms, got affected by like the whole SEC thing caused insolvency where now you had uh, their custodians that they were using uh, were crypto generic custodians, right? And they just like basically just like spun off their maxi brand as like a front end to like pretend, but they were still using the same shitcoin casino kind of companies as anywhere. And so now they were just uh, like, while the CEO of, uh, what's his name, of Swan Bitcoin, who's blocked down Twitter. Corey, like whatever his name is. Clipper and Stein yeah. or whatever his name is, yeah. Yeah, who used to be a uh, an altcoiner extraordinaire himself and pumping EOS and all this stuff. But of course, that's the way these things go. <laughs> um, yes. So he, while he's ranting about all this kind of stuff, his company is not allowing withdrawals or buys. Now, this has changed since now, I believe. But for at least a day or two, I saw people saying, whoa, I can't buy, I can't DCA. Like all these maxis who were yelling at me on Twitter because, you know, I like to troll them. So why not? They were now saying, I can't get my money out and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> like it's kind of it's hilarious. It's also like genuine human concern, right? I don't want them to lose their mind. I'm like, no, but it's also hilarious. And now it seems like all is well for the moment. However, um, this is an interesting twist. So I'm going to put up the um, the Jack Mahler's. I hate that guy too, but whatever. I just published Strike Infrastructure Update. We now serve customers on our own infrastructure. We're proud to offer our own safe and reliable infrastructure to custody our customers' Bitcoin and U.S. dollars. Now, Maxis are saying that's a good thing. However, um. This is from one of these maxi accounts, right? These toxic maxi accounts. But if you deposit or hold your Bitcoin on a third-party platform or service and they are not or don't use a qualified custodian, those Bitcoin are probably not legally yours anymore. Boom. So the thing with this thing, this actually happened in, I forget which, there's been so many exit scams and collapses i can't keep track of them but there was one i don't remember if it was voyager or ftx it was one of those things no celsius i think it was celsius but again correct me please if i'm wrong that made the case argued the case and won i guess in this case that customer funds were company funds so is in do you think that was voyager that does sound familiar yeah i thought it was celsius because everyone doesn't like that guy but it could have been voyager um, but basically the argument is, again, someone please correct me who's <laughs> looking this up. I'm not going to look it up right now. But basically, if you deposit funds on this platform and they go bust, everything is up for grabs and bankruptcy. Whereas if it was, it's not like segregated customer funds, whereas if they have enough money to make the customers whole, they do it and then they eat the losses on the rest. It's like, no. So Strike was using a custodian, meaning... That was customer funds were Safu, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> customer funds were there. Now they're doing it themselves. If Strike, again, this is just 
rapidly developing. It's just what I see. I don't know if they've applied to become a licensed custodian. I don't know if they're going to. As it stands now, though, it looks like Strike is now legally owning customer deposits. So if they go bust or if they get shut down, you just you get rugged. And so the Maxis are getting deeper and deeper into Rectville, <laughs> into custodial Rectville. And it's just like, I expected the fallout of all this stuff to hit the gleeful Maxis later. But it's happening the same week, and I'm here for it, kind of. I mean, I'm not here for it because I don't want people to lose money. I, I'm sad when... Yeah, but at the same time, for, like, schadenfreude kind of purposes, I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of smirking a little bit. It's the same people who are saying how fun staying poor. So it's like, yeah, there's that little bit of vindication, but at the same time, it's like, well, this could have been avoided, right? Yeah, um. I like this point about the about the marketing though of the Swan Bitcoin and whatever those other mm -hmm. ones like Casa was also similar. Jamis and Lopper was like Bitcoin only, just for Bitcoiners, laser eyes all the way. And then at some point he was like, "And we're adding Ethereum." And then loads of people were like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was hilarious. I actually know some of some of their employees are like local to me, like friends of mine, and um, it's funny to see like good people right we but good people but not in a crypto sense like a little bit slightly toxic maxi and that, that stuff and the conversations have changed now now they're like man they're going after us so are we just supporting ethereum too like what's the matter i'm just yeah, like of oh. course you know? but it's the this this scenario that you said about strike taking custody of their own uh bitcoin mm -hmm. it really makes me think about <clears throat> the way that crypto works is essentially people even though i know it has a bad rap and everything and there's been a lot of history misunderstanding behind it but maximalists are good your coin you want your coin to have maximalists why because they're the ones who actually drive the coin right the people who run the podcast week after week the people who you know use all the businesses that support so your i coin. hate that term maximalism so i'm gonna say true believers you want believers okay. all right okay. well whatever your true believers <laughs> are the ones who are um, you know, who are powering everything, right? The people who are like, mm -hmm. I've got a bit of Bitcoin and I've got a bit of Ethereum and I've got a bit of Monero. They aren't doing shit, right? They're just kind of at the fringe of everything. But the ones in the center making it all happen uh, are your true believers, right? So then what uh, we saw then in that period where, okay, we can front as a BDC only kind of company was they were playing to those true believers. But the thing is, when you have a smaller coin, you have to rely a lot on general crypto infrastructure right because you're not going to have the numbers essentially to build up all your own sort of exchanges and businesses and all mm -hmm. that sort of stuff so instead so so smaller coins uh tend to have a lot of you know they're like oh go use this exchange which has every coin but buy our coin rather than go to this specific thing which is run by only our community for our mm -hmm. community and so now the bbc like the the walls are kind of slowly closing in because that laser eye crowd true believers or whoever is slowly mm -hmm. fading away from bdc over time and so there's the initial cash grab was to say we're the bitcoin only and appeal to all those people but now that crowd is thinning so those 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 companies their resources and their target market is shrinking and that's a, a really big problem because then 
uh, like the defense will be that they'll all um, lock shields. You know, they'll all try and be even more like we're all in together, and that'll be great until suddenly the whole ship sinks at once and they're all wrecked. So that's what they're setting themselves up for, basically. Yeah, although I think that that setup works better for them if they were something like a Monero, where they can be that small group of hardcores and still have a good time. A big part of being a maxi is being number one and the number going up. And I think exactly. that once, I think a lot of people were expecting the super cycle or whatever you call it, the hyper Bitcoin. <laughs> all these, all these, Not like the words. lie. That was the biggest lie. Oh, man. But it Dan was held. It's going to be the super cycle, guys. Oh, my God. I remember I did a whole segment calling that yeah. out on my show. Oh, that would have aged like fine wine. I'll have to go back and dig that Yeah, up. unfortunately, the washing machine can only go regular or whites only or whatever it is. You know, it's not, there's no super cycle on that machine. It's a super cycle, hyper Bitcoinization. And there's some other weird terms that they used about like, you know, just try to like make up things that aren't reality, right? And I think that 69,420, while it was a hilarious price for Bitcoin, also was a giant disappointment. And yes. for for those people, I think it's great. Like I think that going from a top of twenty grand to like almost seventy, I think that's that's a nice that's nice. I think it is, no. but not for them, not for those expectations. And then it's just like going down. Last chance to buy Bitcoin at X price, and then it wasn't the last chance over and over. And now it's like I don't even check it. Is what twenty five grand today? Is that, is that what it is? Something like Something that. Something like that. But that that that. Uh... Like it's it's just the lie that uh, mm -hmm. the entire BTC people are bought into that like number go up forever, and that's not the case. It's actually quite the opposite, right? The mm -hmm. higher the price goes, actually, the harder it is to get the price higher and higher because it's an exponential, right? The difference mm -hmm. between ten and a hundred dollars is not actually all that many sort of real people, even though price is set at the margin. But still, as as um, the size grows, it gets harder and harder to get that next uh pump so of course seventy thousand. that was a total fail because that was a whole laser ray to 100k that was all about they didn't even get close so that mm -hmm. was a, a complete failure and i think that was a complete failure too sort of on their behalf because that's that's kind of where it's topped out at like bitcoin is now a global phenomenon everyone knows about it everyone had the chance to be a part of it everyone saw the that price hype cycle the next crypto cycle i will expect you know, ETH and BCH and XMR, a lot of these other coins will rise relative to BTC, might go up as well too. But mm -hmm. even just if we get back to their all-time highs and then other coins are just rocketing up is what I would expect because now everybody's, you know, everybody's kind of over it. Anybody who wanted to invest in BTC already has. And even with a bit of a pump, if other coins are going up more, they're not going to be flooding into that, you know? Yeah. Um what do you think, Calisti? Is that a good? Is I mean, there's just way more upside potential with the lower market cap coins. It's just math. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's like you said, you know, it takes exponentially more money to increase that price. To to get that next 10x, you take 10x more money. Yeah, that's. It'll be really interesting to see. I do think there's still a lot of like basic retail kind of like ability to get into crypto. The thing is, I guess. The problem is once you make your, um, a lot of these, like we're talking about utility because every project has utility, even the, the pumpiest ones, Dogecoin has a lot of utility because you can 
buy it and it goes up. Like Elon will tweet about it. That's very utilitarian because your purchasing power grows by like literally it could it's like a it's cheap. Doge has always been kind of cheap. It's always been around. And you can kind of like just take it and like maybe you'll get a super Elon pump. Like I hate to talk about that speculation as utility, but it's it's kind of true to a certain extent. Uh, okay, I'll, you have to contrast that against like hex or something though, right? Where that is yeah. uh, I guess basically the utility of hex as as defined by its own like rhetoric. It's like, oh, it's designed to pump. Like Doge isn't designed to pump. Doge is a meme. So you get the utility of like the I guess the utility of the community of the community, you know, the the memes that come with it, the, the just brand. the general feeling of the brand, yeah. And it's, I think it's kind of the same with like NFT collections too. Like a lot of what you're selling is like the brand and the community and just like the feeling of being part of that NFT club where you don't really, and yeah, I guess you get that with Hex, but but it's like the, the actual utility of Hex is literally based around that speculation, whereas Doge is not exactly, I feel, I feel like it's important to, to differentiate yeah. that. Yeah, Doge, the wow is just the utility and the, the pump sometimes is a side effect of that. The thing, there's a couple of interesting things about the way Hex is designed for I guess promoting long-term holding and the what like the way the scheme is set up like I'm not gonna say it's not a scam because I don't believe that I'm just saying there's some interesting mechanics that one could implement into you know something a little bit better that had actual utility but the thing about like Bitcoin's prime utility is first of all it's ubiquitous branding which you know is kind of like the whole world it's kind of already reached its peak utility can't get more ubiquitous everyone knows what Bitcoin is and it's also number go up, right? The the fact that the price will go up is the primary utility. And the problem is that is a lot of external factors, but also other coins are just based on that whole upside thing are going to be objectively better. Maybe not as like a, a slower savings count kind of idea, but as far as like the pump, like again, Hex, Hex is a better, was, <laughs> A better bitcoin kind of for that you for that use case but then you get like okay well what about like decentralization and it's like i don't know in some cases it depends you're talking about supply but then sailors buying it all up and satoshi has a ton sorry craig <laughs> satoshi has a ton and it's like okay but then mining pools are starting to be concentrated in places like the u.s for example I don't know, like, but okay, you can make an argument there. But then it's like censorship resistance, and it's like, hmm. Well, if everyone does stuff through strike, which owns your money, then it's uh, now it's now it's dipping below the pack. Now it's like, well, maybe not as much. But then you're like, okay, like security and reliability. Reliability. I mean, it's very reliably unreliable these days i guess right it's very it works the way it always works except with extreme market conditions or just like a couple people putting like frog coin on there then all of a sudden it becomes unusable maybe not so much then you get security they think it's the most secure crypto in the world that's a big part of its value proposition there's lots of arguments that could be made but with its shrinking block reward it's shrinking inflation and fees are just kind of capped. Like there's only so much in fees people will take. People will pay a few bucks for a Bitcoin transaction. They won't pay more than that unless they're trying to get like a one out of a number one out of 500 Pepe coin thingy that then they can flip for a lot more. Unless they're trying to do some something special, they're not going to pay more than that. And a lot of institutional like, 
oh, well, they'll, they'll just be like a mass opening and closing of lightning channels or rebalancing, and that'll be one transaction. That'll They'll pay $500 for that one, but they can also pay not that and just do it all custodially, right? Without on their own. Like, it's starting to, now all of a sudden the security starts to like shake. Once you start seeing the hash rate, like not go up as much, once you start seeing the the block, the amount of money that miners gets paid starts to like falter. Then that's when the cracks start to show. So that's kind of the the future of Bitcoin in the middle term, I guess, right? Yeah, of course. But there's also just the time. It's the same thing as before, which is that as time goes on, one of the big selling points of Bitcoin, BTC, you know, uh, their selling point was, well, we're not, we're going to be here. We're reliable. All these other centralized scams will, will fail. Right. Mm -hmm. So-and-so is in charge of of the foundation. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of them will. And a lot of them have. Right. But like I was saying over the last 10 years, does anybody think Ethereum is going to go away at this point? No, it's, it's kind of over that hump. Right. The same with Litecoin, the same with Bitcoin cash, the same with Monero. There's a lot of projects that are, have been in the race long enough that screeching we're the only one that's going to survive is just patently false and everybody Mm kind of gets that that there are other projects with enough real people and enough momentum and enough serious passion behind it to keep it alive and more than that to actually thrive now although all those communities have done all the groundwork building that they wanted to do and they've started getting onto the more the more fun stuff the more advanced stuff which bdc has been totally neglecting so now you have the rising tide of these other projects that have survived the brutal market of, of yeah, 99% have died, right? Mm-hmm. But the 1% that have survived have not only sort of caught up in perceived reliability or stability just by process of survival, but now they're starting to edge ahead because they've also been investing in more exciting tech. And uh, even mm-hmm. though they're smaller communities with less network effect, those network effects are really starting to click together those coins that have been around a, a long time and people have been consistently working away at them and we're going to just see more and more of that especially in the next year or two the bdc people aren't going to even know what what hit them in terms of how behind the eight ball they are basically yeah that's, that's something i've definitely seen happen is um there's just a lot of focus on like this thing that we got going is inassailable you cannot attack this this is we're so far ahead all that kind of stuff the thing is um first of all of all the consensus mechanisms like bitcoin is the daddy of proof of work and proof of work is the one that the environmental kind of regulations are really going after a lot and obviously that would be bad i like i don't think proof of work should be regulated like it's just an energy use just use it if you want right but I think that as far as like the energy footprint, like once you start cracking down on that, because China already did their ban, the Western world starts to do that. Now all of a sudden it starts to go into like an area again where you have like more, like for example, if most of the Bitcoin cash or Monero, whatever hash rate was in like Uganda or something, (laughs) like, I don't know if anyone would really care. It's just kind of more appropriate to like, you know, the cypherpunk kind of thing, like, well, there's miners here now and then they'll be there tomorrow and just, it's more fluid. But like for a, a behemoth like Bitcoin, which first of all has that, the is already at capacity. So when you have 
like the difficulty adjustment, like when the hash rate went away in China, people couldn't get blocks through like all day. It was insane. And just having those kinds of issues and disruptions just isn't that for that like rock hard stability coin where they're like, oh, look at all the hash rate securing it. Oh, well, it's gone today because it's popping up elsewhere. It's just, it's going to start to like chip away at it, you know? Especially once you have like this whole government endorsed coin item, like idea, is a hugely bad idea. And I don't think it's just bad because I don't trust the government, but it's it's also like they're going to bite you in the back and then you can't take back your principles, really. There will be some people who remembered, wait, wasn't it the reason I was buying this because the it's not a security? This is the one not a security coin that I can buy, but now it's like I can't, now it's like it restricted because of mining and it's just like and then ethereum is also finally just not a security but also because it's proof of stake governments don't care so ethereum's a safe coin i got bamboozled like then that starts to break down right yeah of course and uh, that's the whole thing it's the irony that the proof of work has been it's maybe has the environmental fud and then proof of stake has the government what it's called sec attack mm -hmm. from the side so there's no there's Nothing no ideal one yeah exactly everything's got to just deal with its own uh trade-offs and and problems right that's just going to be like anything but like you said the the once you sold out your principles you can't you can't get that that stuff back i mean when you said okay there's loads of normie people who still haven't bought any crypto that might get hyped in the next bull run I think a lot of those people, yes, they will, but I don't see them all going for Bitcoin because by now they all have friends who are into crypto or somebody that they trust or whatever. And the chances that that person says Bitcoin and only Bitcoin is at an all-time low. So instead, mm -hmm. they're going to go, oh, who's my local crypto friend and go to them. And that friend will say, man, I got into ETH and I bought these three monkeys and it was sick. And then the fees got really high. So now I'm on Avalanche and they'll their friend will be like oh, okay maybe i'll get a little bit of avalanche and maybe just a tiny bit of ethereum sounds like a good mix you know mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's kind of what's gonna happen so uh, i think yeah everybody knows about uh bitcoin but even if the price is is going up all this environmental stuff too that's just they've also a bit done people whinging about the environment like they just can't sustain it because they're busy protesting a hundred other things yeah like at the same time like you can't just be like it's just bitcoin mining like the environmental protesters protest everything they're fighting against the oil industry and they're fighting against whale hunting and they're fighting against you know they've got they've got the wrong problem for them that they've got they're firing too broad they're fighting like 10 battles at once whereas the crypto industry is like nope we're just doing crypto and just that and so of course over time it's just going to plow through the resistance basically yeah, what I think is interesting with the environmental thing with proof of work is I think that I don't see proof of work getting banned. I do kind of, I do, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm not even saying effectively banned. I'm saying I don't see it banned writ large in the Western world. I do see there be some kind of like, well, it has to be done with renewables, kind of like, like um, Elon Musk's whole thing with uh with tesla it's like he gets government credits and stuff for running like a sustainable renewables whatever business and so it's the same sort of a thing where uh i think that it'll just kind of 
cartelize proof of work mining operations in the U.S. where it becomes more than already, I guess, where it becomes like, well, these are the environmentally friendly ones. These are renewables plants. The ones that aren't on Reno's, you have to register. It just just will make it a little bit like less centralized, probably. I mean, less decentralized. But you know, in the meantime, there'll be some Yahoo up in like uh, a obscure Canadian province where the officials don't even know where to find them. Like, you know, burning a hole in the sun up there to stay, you know, <laughs> just, just there are always going to be something like that going on. You can't quite, you know, that might be a, another, like, especially like the thing is, I, I think the, on the energy subject, I think that the corner is turning towards nuclear a little bit. Finally. I mean, nuclear got kind of panned for generations because, I mean, it's an easy thing to FUD, right? But now I think people are starting to, like, look into that as a more sustainable kind of thing. And if you basically run a nuclear, like, a mini nuclear reactor out in the middle of nowhere with, like, Starlink connection and just, like, fields of ASICs, like, what are you going to do, right? Yeah, you love to say it. It sounds great to me. Do you, do you think we're ever going to see self-sovereign nuclear? Listen, the way 3D printing has been going and stuff, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to happen. I think there's, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen individually on a wide scale. But I do think, I can imagine just enough people just like, slap together some reactor somewhere in the woods of Siberia and just like you can't stop it enough and like someone's like well this will only take out a city block if it goes you know and they're like <laughs> you know I think there'll we'll we'll see you know Where like you these materials from mm -hmm. uh they, they they bought it with Monero probably that's the answer yeah um Rob in the comments said nuclear sub crypto mining just Hell like yes. They're like underwater. <laughs> the That'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, like heat the sub with, with the mining heat. And then you have you have a nuclear power plant right there in the sub and then some kind of internet connection, I guess. I don't know how that works underwater, but I'm sure it exists, right? Yeah, and then a, a giant squid takes out half your hash rate. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Wasn't there a, a coin, like a squid coin or something? There's I'm sure Maybe there's that's what happened to it. <laughs> there was yeah. a squid game coin back when that was popping off but everyone who invested in that is now undoubtedly scammed so yeah but i mean that kind of brings back to the whole um which way is adoption going to go now obviously the custodial the risks of the maxi approach are starting to get high so i think that personally if bitcoin's going to keep working out with all these custodial risks and regulations on the services they use they're probably going to have to start exploring some things like maybe modest block size increases or something just to like still be able to use it and open up their own lightning channels and stuff. Cause like lightning does take a lot of, I guess, repeat traffic off the chain, but it's still L1 heavy. And so maybe it's like, instead of 10 transactions, you'll send one, but that's still like, if you're doing like little payments, so we'll see. Uh but one thing I think it's kind of interesting um, at the heart of a coin project are the uh, the true believers, the maxis, as you will, because you can't be a true believer without being 
like a maxi believe everything else is shade just this is all you care about but then the only there's always the other end of the spectrum which is the the idiot noob or whatever and those people need to inform the center as far as like features and narratives and things like that the people that just don't care they're like well why can't i do this why can't i sync my whatever it's just like if your wallet has to sync because it's like no 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 that it really has to scan all the block headers ahead of time and 10 seconds into syncing then they're never gonna use crypto again kind of thing or it's just like oh i got crypto the price went here oh no and then that kind of stuff so um some of those basically people really need a good user-friendly wallet for all this kind of stuff to work and i hear that you guys have quite an interesting project going uh would you mind spending a little time talking about the Celine wallet which i'll quickly put up on the screen and yeah it says join the cash economy developed with heart by Callisti and the Bitcoin Cash Podcast. Oh, I think I know those guys. It says, puts an easy, no-hassle, instant payments in the palm of your hand. Experience the future of money, Google Play Store, et cetera, et cetera. So, mind just giving us a little elevator pitch on this stuff? Yeah. So, essentially, obviously, on my show, the tagline is following Bitcoin Cash and its rise to global reserve currency, right? And I mean that. I mean that everybody in the world is going to use Bitcoin Cash every single day, Right. So how are we going to get there? Well, firstly, I had to start the podcast, get a bunch of hype going, you know, get um, get some connections, get the com- existing community some morale. Kind of, kind of mm-hmm. got that on lock, right? So the next step of my plan was to, well, I did some music in between to get a bit more attention and uh, mix it up a bit, and then third step three was to bust out the keyboard and make a wallet because in bitcoin cash or even in monero or in dash or in bdc or any coin i have not yet seen a wallet that i was like this is a slam dunk winner the closest was probably mycelium back in the day i don't know where they're at now but they had something kind of very similar to what we have now which is just it's a light wallet it follows the bitcoin white paper which is that it just does spv transactions so it's super fast it's instant, you know, zero confirmation. We just hide all that from the user. So you scan and you send and it's blazingly fast. The whole app is super small as well. It's only like about three three megabytes, mm-hmm. I think, uh, okay. at its current size. And we're, you know, so we're, we've started uh, with that, basically simple send and receive. We've got iOS uh, release coming out soon and today i was working with chat gpt and we're going to have translation into 22 languages uh pretty soon as well too so that's that's the where we're at now but it's essentially the fastest slickest easiest wallet you've ever used uh and that's kind of step one right then after that we're gonna start really powering it up right we'll probably put in cash fusion so you can uh increase your privacy by just having auto mixing on uh, you can already set it into whatever currencies and exchange rates you want. Uh, there's loads of stuff with uh, any hedge that we can do, having a stable coins, having your money locked in uh, gold or in silver, denominated, all decentralized, all on chain. BCH protocol is now popping off with cash tokens. We've got to add that. So it starts with just the simple send and receive that the average noob can get you onboard someone, you show them, 
in 10 seconds and they're like wow that's amazing and then in their free time once they look at the other tabs this is not the case now but it will be soon uh then they'll be like down the crypto rabbit hole into like wow nfts and uh decentralized contracts and all of that stuff so that's mm -hmm. kind of the vision i'd say yeah anything you want to add Calisti, about this about your baby man that's i mean it is my baby i love this project so much but i think jeremy summarized it really well uh because yeah that i mean kind of like while he's been doing everything with morale building and building the podcast and everything and, and like uh he's got like a really good formula for, for expanding this community i think he's been working really well so then meanwhile um, when I joined the community, totally oblivious to what he was doing at the time. I mean, just getting my own research, my own immersion. I start discovering more about what Bitcoin Cash can do. Um, I actually built a, a Cash ID prototype browser mm. extension wallet. Like that was the very first BCH project I ever actually did, like some six months into a year when I joined the community. And I learned about LibAuth and all of that. And I wanted to like figure out how to actually do this. And like all the documentation and resources to get devs into our community is like still lacking and that that's kind of a problem and i experienced this firsthand but so hopefully that's something we can rectify going forward but you know really the takeaway being like okay so like there's all these different projects there's like this community building we can do and then we are we're all kind of like dependent on bitcoin.com at the time oh yeah like 2020 2021 and then so there at the time there was a lot of effort toward physical merchant onboarding. We want to go to businesses. We want to be like, hey, Bitcoin Cash is amazing. Get this POS app, get this wallet, and you can accept Bitcoin Cash, and it's super easy. Um, and the number one onboarding wallet at the time was the Bitcoin.com wallet. Um, I don't know if that's still the case now. I think a lot of people are starting to move, migrate more toward like Paytaka, uh, who's doing like really good work, or like Zappa, mm -hmm. especially. Um, because there is demand in our community for wallets that cater specifically to the Bitcoin Cash experience because it's an experience you can't get with most other chains. So we took the same approach with Celine, recognizing the hole that Bitcoin.com was leaving. We wanted to go in and, and fill that hole because there just simply isn't another wallet that focuses on the send and receive use case as much as we are, the onboarding use case as much as we are. Um, other wallets such as Paytaka and Zappa have other features that would be appealing, like uh, Paytaka is really leading the way with the cash tokens. Zappa's really um, doing a lot of interesting stuff with like the peer-to-peer -peer exchange. And then they also have the groundbreaking uh, integration with INR. Mm -hmm. So like, it's really kind of awesome because all of these different wallets like can, can kind of cater to uh, different segments of the community. And uh, with Celine, we just saw that this particular segment wasn't being filled yet. So we decided to go for it. And of course, it's all open source, uh, worth mentioning, and all community funded as well, too. So we don't, that was part of the problem, too, that we saw the Bitcoin.com wallet was kind of a bit, uh, you know, captured by the interests of that, that company. And they do, they have done a great job for a long time, and they've got their own, you know, problems and battles to, to handle, right? But the, their wallet wasn't open source, and obviously in crypto, you like you, you need open source wallets so i think so we make it open source and funded by the community yeah so such on like the bitcoin.com thing a little bit so um i remember in the early days so bitcoin cash launched um there was like a little bit of time before it caught like the the big blocker like community kind of jumped into it was like a few months when like roger vera's like casually mentioned it here and there but wasn't like 
promoting it wasn't like sold on it but then of course roger and bitcoin.com and all them jumped in and for a while bitcoin.com was kind of like the the bch core team or whatever like kind of the the corollary for that and like the bitcoin.com wallet was a pretty good wallet i never thought it was like the best but it was pretty good and over time from my usage of like i just don't have it anymore because over time just started to become more and more annoying to use and more and more features got put in that just had nothing to do with it and then just like especially once you know roger sort of stepped away a little bit from bitcoin.com now i don't even know what they're that they do anymore like it's just kind of weird so um is the have you guys used the wallet recently is it kind of like not really usable super usable for like basic payments well it's just getting worse and worse uh basically obviously this is a bit of us uh, shitting on our competition but uh yeah they just keep putting in more and more ads for they have this new verse token so they're basically Mm -hmm. trying to shill their own token nobody needs that it gives you these ads at all the worst times but who even wants ads to begin with so that just sucks and then they've put in uh obviously they have ethereum support they added avalanche for some reason and it's just become this generic mess of like a kind of crappy multi-coin wallet that used to be pretty good for bch but is now kind of sucks for everything and they're just trying to shield their coins so uh all of all around it's just sort of terrible and that kind of reflects the company as well and i know there's a lot of people in that company who are doing good work and who believe in bch and all that but it was just the timing of how things worked out that they went hard on bch when it really was hitting into its rough patches and so they had to do a lot of work to kind of keep that going. And then now that things have actually turned around and the BCH community is starting to look positive and optimistic and, uh, you know, growth is coming back is the exact moment that they've kind of already wandered off to chase after something else. So I expect that they will come back and be more heavily involved in BCH, but it's a really good thing for the community, actually. Like you said, they were a big player for quite a long time but you can't rely on everything you know there they were never really the core team in the sense that they didn't uh, ever run like the node infrastructure or anything like that but they were certainly the sort of flagship for a lot of the promotion and funding and uh, you know uh, ads and outreach and the wallet dev obviously but now that's all changing right so now there's loads of other ways that the community promotes itself like my podcast and we have like Kalisi was saying a bunch of different wallets that are just by the bch community for the bch community and it cuts back to what we we're talking before about your community has to grow its own things internally as it matures it needs to have its own tools and its own stuff that it can fund and rely on and not be worried about oh but what if binance like delist this then we're just screwed or, or something like that so yeah. The, yeah, we're in a good spot as far as that goes, I think. Um, Bitcoin Collab commented, he says, I get ads mid-transaction now. You can see the screenshots I took. He said, in the Bitcoin.com wallet, you get advertisements in the middle of transactions you are conducting. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's a little sketch. It's just I mean, super annoying. <laughs> they must be hard up on money. Like, that's the thing is, I understand this, like crypto the free market is undefeated right you cannot say the free market is wrong it's just it's you're you're wrong <laughs> you know even if you're right you're still wrong it's like but 
there, crypto has had a, a crazy monetization problem, kind of, where it became too difficult with current tech to find a way to monetize building the best stuff. But then the worst stuff became the easiest to monetize. Just the casino is just like so much money. And so it's like, it seems like all the money is in, you know, formerly, I guess, in trading and in speculation and in building cool, awesome tech that looks cool and awesome and gets the VC money. But it's just like the actual sustainable stuff. And so that's something that I think Ethereum did really well in retrospect. I don't know if that was their intent, but they, they catered to having a, a business around people building all kinds of stuff. And so when people want to speculate on NFTs, they do it on Ethereum. They want to run all these weight, crazy DeFi schemes, they do it on Ethereum. They want to do ICOs to start their companies, whatever. It's all on Ethereum. So the Ethereum network is full of fees of people using them for all this other nonsense. Whereas like even Bitcoin couldn't figure, I mean, a lot of people wanted to use Bitcoin, but like today they couldn't, they won't pay enough for the, the block size. And then all the cheap chains like Litecoin and stuff and all beyond see very little usage in terms of like fee spends, like total fee spends. So it's like, how do you do this? Like, how do you develop a wallet sustainably? I mean, it seems like people just have to like want to use it and you have to, you know, get like donations and stuff to like make it happen, like community funded type things. Uh, but then as far as outs, like I, I notice all the best wallets in my opinion that aren't, edge edge seems to be the one that's actually a decent wallet that's like out there it's like a company whereas like all the other ones seem to be developed by the projects like you know all the the proprietary ones and that's what bitcoin.com was is it was or it kind of had a stand-in as it was even though as a company it was the bitcoin cash wallet the official bitcoin cash wallet sort of and so because of that it was okay but then once they had to become a company and make money now it just became awful as they all do so yeah, exactly. And we're hoping to sort of fix that and show that there's a, a different way of doing it. So recently uh, we got funded, we did a flip starter, which is like, you know, crowdfunding on BCH. So we got a decent chunk of money in there because the community love what we're doing, you know, proof of work. We released the wallet. It was really good. People could try it out and be like, wow, this is amazing. And we definitely need this. So they gave us some uh, BCH there. But in the future, maybe we'll do some more of that. I think they'll be a part of that. But we're, there's plenty of other ways that we can monetize it that we will investigate as time goes on. One thing that uh, we have talked about doing is we might put in a little um, like a pop-up, uh, which you can just dismiss or turn off. But some people will go for it that says something like, Are you enjoying this wallet? Here's a setting that you can turn on. And every X transactions, maybe every 20 transactions, send the devs five cents. Right. Mm -hmm. And th that's very easy for us to build into the wallet again. Like it, it's all full circle, but just because Bitcoin is actually easy to use and it works, then they can just switch that on and it can just quietly ping off to us in the background every once in a while. If we have a decent pool of users, that becomes a, a decent amount of money. And the more they use the wallet, the more kind of we benefit, but also the more invested they are and the more they can spread it around to their friends. Right. So that's one thing we can do. We can also do, we wouldn't, I don't think do like advertising, but we might have a, a section we're planning to do for like content creators. So people 
who want to you know promote their bch or maybe even just their generic crypto stuff maybe we even just expand it to anything and people can go in there uh you know content creators can come to us and say hey can i put my video in your feed if we think the video is actually of a high enough standard then we put it in there and then people can obviously tip the video creator and maybe we take it a small cut on that or maybe we don't and maybe just the content creator pays us to get sort of promoted in the feed right we could have a sort of pro tier subscription for really advanced crypto users who want whatever feature uh that only the super hardcore people want and then we just charge a five dollar monthly subscription somehow to be a part of that you know there's loads and loads of uh things we can do so i'm not really too worried about the monetization not to mention uh, this the stage. entire untapped potential of the actual business to business use cases mm -hmm. uh and and also like uh, back office systems for businesses pos systems for businesses like huge ability for revenue streams there because those apps don't have to be free. Whereas yeah. we want the user focused apps to be free always not never have like intrusive ads, anything like that. So we got to find better ways to fund like the ones that Jeremy was suggesting. But when you're dealing with other businesses, yeah, you, money talks, right? So if you want the product that you want, then there's going to be some kind of model there. Yeah. I mean, especially when you integrate with some kind of third party services or otherwise like, through the cash tokens ecosystem in some way i'm sure it could be easy to get like a little bit off of you know for example when you hit the bch bull stabilization protocol i think that you should be able to find a way to like get a little skim a little off of that you know which is the way most most wallets kind of do um it's kind of a it's funny because i've been watching the the anypay folks who had some really good point of sale kind of apps sort of struggle to figure out how to do things and I think they do like a tenth of a cent because of the, they use like the BIP 70 payment codes for invoices. I think they take something like a tenth of a cent of each payment or something like that. But because mm -hmm. they mostly do like API stuff, like through the cake wallet and edge wallet and stuff like that at scale, it starts to really like add up. And so, um, yeah, I think stuff like that could be very interesting. Of course it requires a little bit of programmability, whether it's, the invoice themselves or whether you're using like actual smart contracts for this kind of stuff to just build stuff in, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Some of the stuff can just be done with regular world UTXOs, just plain old transactions that we've been using since 2010. Mm -hmm. Like uh, for instance, the, the donation mode that Jeremy was talking about where it's like every 20 transactions, five cents, like that's just add a five cent UTXO to the dev, to the dev address. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's a regular transaction. So, uh, you can't do that unless your chain has like minimum programmability. Otherwise you have to use some kind of centralized API to where the application layer has to do it rather. So you would maybe bundle that into multiple transactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of fun times um, going forward. It's a, it's Celine.cash, right? Is the address yeah. for the, the website. S-E-L-E-N-E.cash. And try it out, Joel. I don't know if you haven't, uh, downloaded it or had a look at it uh yet but for the degoogled phone it would be perfect we provide an apk so you can uh download that and if you if you haven't tried phone. it and you download it right now i'll, I'll send you some some sets yeah i will download it tonight i have to run and do some other stuff but like um i do appreciate the apk thing especially because i'm in this like degoogled rabbit hole is graphene thing and when i started using graphene os the Aurora store, which is what lets you 
privately bridged to the Google Play Store so you could get Google stuff without them tracking it or spying on you and all this stuff was down for like a while. So I was just literally finding any sketchy APK files anywhere for all we'll my on apps. Right eventually also worth noting. Yeah. So, I mean, it is on the Google Play Store. I, I did check it out, you know, right now. Yeah. I got a few downloads going. Um, it's... It's still yeah. newish. It's still what we've been out for, I think, yeah, about three weeks. So. Days yet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, you know, this is just the the V V1 uh, of it, and anybody who checks it out, you expect to see it improve rapidly over the next probably 6 to 12 uh, months. And uh, But the users are already loving it. We're already getting tons <laughs> of positive nice. feedback, and so many people have requested all these different features. So obviously those will be the first things that we're going to build. Like, because we're not uh, this big existing company, like you were saying, mm -hmm. we don't have, uh, you know, it's literally just the users want this and that would be pretty quick to build. We'll just do it. We're not sitting, we're direct uh, talking to the users. You know, we're not worried about, oh, what does my product manager think? And mm -hmm. do the investors need to make a return and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, it's none of that. It's like, I sit down, I sat down this morning. I'm like, I've got a couple hours. Let's look in the mm -hmm. issue log or just start uh, pumping it out. So yeah, it's very lean and efficient in that method. All right. So shill o'clock, we already shilled the website for Selene, Selene.cash. Uh, what, what about you guys? Where can people follow you and the stuff you do? Bitcoincashpodcast.com. Go there. Loads of info on everything to do with Bitcoin Cash and all the links to everything I do as well. If you want to mm -hmm. hear me talk a lot more shit. <laughs> yeah. You can listen to as much of it as you want. But uh, love the digital cash rundown as well to everybody listening in. Yeah, got to give Joel uh, his props to doing amazing work here. Well, thanks. But everyone knows where they can find me because they're already here. <laughs> <laughs> but Callisti, uh, where do people find you? Yeah, uh, Callisti.cash redirects to my Twitter. So it's uh, mm -hmm. down on the label in the video. Here. Nice. Type that in, we'll go to my Twitter. Um, also, obviously, check out the Celine wallet. Um, mm -hmm. I'm having a great time developing for everyone. So um, please check that out and tell us what you think. Okay. And uh, yeah, definitely check out the podcast, BitcoinCashPodcast.com. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thanks for watching. I'll see you guys next week. Try out the Celine wallet. I know I will. I'm not just saying that because they paid me because they didn't. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give that a try tonight. Everyone have a great week and I will see you guys next week. Bye bye. Thanks for having us.